0: Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, we come and we ask that you would have your way with us this morning. And God, I pray that you would remove all fear and trepidation when it comes to coming close to a holy God. God, I pray that you would look and search our lives and search our hearts and search our situations that we have on the go right now and that you would bring peace that you would challenge us, that you would move us to love you and submit to you and, and serve you, God, in our, in our every moment of every day. I pray, God, today, as we open your word, that it would be a reminder to us, that it would be a challenge to us, that it would be uh, new, something new for us to apply to our lives so that we could know you more. God, we just thank you for the worship this morning. We're able to come into your presence and sing these praises to you, and for a brief moment... The situations that are happening in our lives, the relationships, the things that are going on, those, are things are, those things are pushed aside because you're the focus. And God, I pray as we worship you this morning and we continue to worship, God, that this would be something that we would bring into our everyday life, that we would put you at the center, that we would worship you in spirit and truth when things are rough and things are challenging. God, we would run to you. So, God, we run to you right now. I pray that you would prepare our hearts as we open the Word of God, your Word. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. I'm excited to be here this morning. I love the church. I love the people of God. I love being in the house of God. I find it as a comfort and a peace when I walk into the doors and I see your faces. The Word of God says the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart. And there are days and there are weeks and there are times when we as the family of God will go through things, will have challenging moments, and we feel like there's no hope. But there's something about the people of God. There's something about coming together and worshiping God, and for a brief moment in this situation or in the thing that you're feeling, when you just turn it fully over to God... At least for me, I feel the peace of Jesus. And I'm excited to be here this morning. And this is our final sermon on the parables. The pastors, Pastor Rick, will be back next week. I'm so excited for Pastor Rick to come back. I'm so excited for him to preach the word. He's been on all kinds of journeys. He's probably got all kinds of stories. He's probably all fired up to get back to his family, his congregation. And I'm excited for that. But that's next week. This week, we're finishing up the sermon of the parables, the the stories that Jesus was telling over the summer, um, the master storyteller. And I want to thank you on behalf of the pastoral team. We want to thank you for pressing in every single week for coming to church, for being here for sending, sending us emails and encouragement letters and writing us notes and putting things in our, our box. Thanks for sharing the word. And the word encouraged me this week or I was going through this and, and God's word helped me get through this and, and thank you for praying for us. We just want to thank you as a pastoral staff and as a pastoral team for really pressing in this, this summer. And we, look at, we are really excited for kickoff Sunday and what God's going to hold for us in the next season. And I think... I think, well, that's where I'm going this morning. I think God wants to get us ready for His Word. I think God wants to get us ready for what He has in store in this next season for us as Calvary Baptist Church, as the body gathered in this local congregation. I think this last sermon that is on the list is one of those sermons that's going to bring us together as the body and prepare us for the next season of ministry. Whatever that may be, we need to be ready. So we want to thank you for taking the Word of God serious, and we pray that as we move into the next season of ministry together, we as the body will continue to challenge each other and sharpen each other to become fully disciples of Christ. And I know Pastor Calvin is gearing up the small groups. I see him in the hallways. He is ready, and he's pulling those, pull, pulling those groups together to challenge us this year. So I'll talk about that a little bit later. Scripture calls us to consider carefully the messages that we listen to. In today's society in today's day and age we are bombarded by all kinds of messages messages on social media sermons sermons from this church and sermons from that church relevant magazine barna group all kinds of messages that are coming about coming out about christians the walk what we should do what we should say and scripture actually declares that we should be careful to listen to those things Not just listen, but how we listen to these messages, how we listen to these sermons. Skillful listening is a non-negotiable skill for everyone who enters a church building on Sunday or plays a sermon through their headphones through the week or on their computer. The life and the health and the growth of our souls are tied to how well we listen. We are wise to periodically evaluate our own hearing of God's word. If we listen with carelessness, we we can drift away from God. If we stop listening to God's word and we put other things as the focus and we start to listen to other messages, soon we forget what God wants for our lives. But on the other hand, if we listen carefully, we will swim against the stream of sin and indifference that comes at us. We'll be able to fight it off. We'll be able to guard our hearts and stand firm on the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? John Piper says, don't be cavalier in the hearing of God's word week after week. He cautions us. He says, if it's not softening and saving and healing and bearing fruit, it is probably hardening and blinding and dulling. And it is easy for us to slip into what the scripture calls dullness of hearing. We don't want to be dullness of hearing. We don't want to be the people of God that has a dull hearing church or we're a dull hearing body. To hear the sermon, the weekly sermon, week after week without faith and to see little or no moral fruit in your life will be the result if we are careless in how we listen to God's word. The word of God actually says Jesus makes it clear ultimately it is how we hear that reveals who we are. And in John 8, verses 43, it says, is Is my language not clear to you? He says, he who belongs to God hears what God says, and the reason you do not hear is is because you might not belong to God. So this is a challenge for us today. We're going to look at the parable of the sower that is found in Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app or something that you follow along with, maybe you just tore out a little bit of the Bible and brought it today, why don't you get that out? We're going to get in. Please don't rip the Word of God, but... If you only have a portion of Scripture, or if you don't have any Scripture, why don't you get close to somebody? We're going to read it together. I want to spend some time this morning, spend some time looking at the passage. I want to teach today. I just don't want to just stand like a fire hose and just shoot a bunch of stuff. I, mean, I want to teach a little bit today. I want to break down the Scripture. I want to define some of the words, define them, and apply what we hear so that we will be able to discern the will of God in our lives. You ready? You want to do this? All right, I love this church. We like to talk to each other. Matthew 13, verses 1 through 23. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Let's pause. What a beautiful picture. I know many of you guys have cottages. Many of you guys, I know you thought we were going to go through the whole 23 verses. Gotcha. I began to look down that a couple weeks ago. I was looking at this passage, and I just stopped right at that verse. Jesus came down and sat down by the lake. Just picture that. At your cottage, you're coming out. It's a nice, clear morning. It's beautiful. Many of us, we, on, we would take those moments. We'd go out just to be alone. I learned in school something called a dog day, D-A-W-G, day alone with God day. We need to take those and just spend time with God. These are those mornings you get up at your cottage. The kids aren't awake yet. You just go out and you just sit there. But on this day, the same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. In the Jewish culture, when the teacher would come out, they knew that he'd be staying at a certain house. When he would come out, they would watch him. But when he sat down, they would know that would be the time for teaching. That would be the time. Look, there's the teacher, there's the pastor, there's the preacher. He's sitting, so let's gather around. Such, car- such large crowds gathered around him that he stood, uh, that he got into a boat and he sat in it. We have seen surveys by archaeologists that su- there are these coves where Jesus would have taught these coves that people would come around the beach, and, and, and the coves that went up, they, they acted like uh, amphitheaters. So, so Jesus could actually get in the boat, and there could be a large crowd there, and they could, he could just speak, the, and it would carry to the people. That's what's happening here. Well, all the people stood up on the shore. Then he told them things in what? Parables. He told them in messages, mysterious messages, and he said it, the first parable, like this A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seeds, and some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the, sto- because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns which grew up and choked out the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. That's the end. That's the end of the teaching. We have some more scripture we're going to go through. But on that day, as Jesus came out, he sat down, he began to speak. That was the end of the teaching. He just threw that out to them. And there were different people there listening And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to break that down, the different listeners. Let's continue in the Word. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you and not to them. Whoever has will be given more. We've heard that before, that phrase in the other parables. And they will have an abundance Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For, these people, for this people's heart, have they, it's become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. This is powerful teaching. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with what? Joy. Y'all are falling along. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on the good soil, it refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 and 30 times what was sown. This is the Word of God. May you add a blessing to the reading of it today. So I want to take a few moments. I want to break down this passage. I want to look at some of the key words. I really need us to know and understand what's going on here. When I was in Bible college, I, I had this amazing professor, Professor Michael McNeil. He's been around the world like six or seven times preaching the Word of God. I was in his class for personal evangelism Um, It was the first class I ever took with him, um, and he was teaching us and preparing us how to preach and how to teach and how to share the Word of God, and he was a great, great speaker. He was a great teacher. I loved him a lot, and he gave me an analogy, or he gave me, he gave a teaching one morning that really changed my heart, and for four years, I put it into play every single day. He says, I want you to think of your life as you get up every day, and you walk out that door, and for certain people, it's It's coming from one dorm room to the class, and you didn't even put on pants today. You just walked over and didn't even brush your hair. For other people, it's getting up, and you have to drive a long time. I had to drive 45 minutes every day. And then after work or after school, I would go work at the church. So I had to wear like a... My church was different back then. I had to wear pants and a shirt and a tie. So I'm getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning, putting on pants, shirt, and tie every day, clean shaven, getting ready 5 o'clock in the morning, driving to Bible college, getting ready. So it was a lot more work for me than... Others, but that's okay. That's okay. I didn't hold that against them, that they just had to roll out of bed and not brush their teeth, but that's all right. So we get up there, and he said, every day when you get up and you get ready, I want you to think about getting up and putting on a bag. I said, a bag? He said, yeah, each of us who have the Word of God that is stored in our hearts, each of us who are saved, each of us who are Christians, who love Jesus, who love God and want to see His kingdom multiplied, you get up and you put on your bag and he had a bag, and he put that bag on, and I remember watching him do that that day, and he put a bag on like this, and he said, I want you to carry a bag. The kids kids thought it was funny. We already carry a book bag. We got enough books to carry, and he says, no, this is a special bag that I want you to carry, and I literally want you to carry it. He says, I want you to get up every day and get your bag out, and I want you to put the bag on, and as you go out outside your door and as you get in your car or walk across the campus, I want you to think that this bag is full of seeds. And that every day that you're going to go out and you're going to cast seeds. You're going to throw seeds out. You're going to take the seeds out of this bag and you're going to place them. And you're just not going to worry about what the seeds are going to do, but you're going to do that. And I understood right away what he was saying. He's saying, be on guard for Jesus. Be on guard for the kingdom. Get yourself ready every single day. So I actually took that to heart. I actually, This is my bag that I bought at my first year of campus. When he told me that, I went out and bought a bag. And every day, I carried it. I carried my books in it, I carried my Bible in it. I, everything that I used, I carried it. I still use this bag or bags like this every day when I get up. For four and a half years straight, every morning, I would get up and it would be on a coat hanger like this or a coat rack by my door And I would take it off and put it on each and every day. And when I would take it off, I would put it on. And I would tell myself, today, I'm going to scatter seeds for Jesus. Any person that I talked to, whether pumping gas or going to, we had this place called Irving back then. He owned, like, the whole city of New Brunswick, St. John in New Brunswick. Irving owned everything so you can get a lot of products for him, gas, food, all that stuff. Every time I would go to the Irving, there would be people there. And I would remember, because I put the bag on, I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to scatter a seed. So I would go in and I would, I would pray with them. I would ask them how their day was going. I would learn their name. I would learn things about them so that I could get to know them knowing that God has seeds for them. And I wasn't worried about what those seeds would do. My job was to cast the seed. So one of the things that I want you to, to see or refer to is as we define some of these words here, define them, they don't think what you think they think. The first one we want to just shed some light on, is the farmer in the passage, the farmer in the parable, is not a farmer. It's, it's, it's a person that casts the seed. It's the person that preaches the word of God. And in this place, or in this parable, it's Jesus. Jesus is that person. But Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now. We have the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So God has elected some to be teachers and pastors and, and preachers and evangelists. So that, he, so that we could teach the, the Word of God. So the farmer in this parable refers to any gospel teacher, preacher, someone who is telling the truth, the good news. And I'm talking about the real good news, not the prosperity Bible, not the, the make you feel good news. I'm talking about the full Word of God. That's the farmer, okay? Sowing, that's another word that we find in here. I looked that up. To sow is to preach the Word. That is the farmer. He gets up to sow the seed. He, he casts it out. If I was to open my bag, I do have seeds in here, real seeds. I brought some. <laughs> and this morning, I was going to sow them. But then I know Jordan would get mad at me. Because <laughs> Jordan keeps me in line. But he would take a... The, the farmer would take seeds and he would cast them. And he would let them land. And some landed. So he would he would just cast those seeds. I know I'm gonna vacuum them <laughs> He would cast them and he 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 wasn't worried about where they were landing But he would just go in and he would sow those seeds and I got seeds all over the place Don't tell Rick So in that word or that word is to sow he would sow the seeds It's to preach it's to tell the truth It's to share the gospel. It's to, to be serious with the Word of God and take it to heart I challenge you, as I was challenged to think about that as you get up every day. Maybe you don't need a bag. I needed a bag. I needed that to keep me on track, to keep me focused. Every time I seen the bag, I seen, hey, I got seeds to cast today. I didn't cast my number of seeds. I have to go talk to some people. I would make it a focus, and for four and a half years, and I still, I've been at a Bible college for a bit, and I'm still carrying bags like this. Actually, we went to New York City, and I was with Jim, my, my old partner in crime, I mean, gospel in ministry. He's now with Pastor Kelvin, but Jim bought a bag. One of the first things we did is, I need a bag like that, and I said, why are you buying a bag? Because it means casting the seeds of God. It doesn't mean carrying books. So to sow is to, to, to preach the word of God, The seed is the word of God. In this passage, the farmer went out to sow the seed. The the farmer that day went out to preach the word of God. The seed that goes out. He was casting the seed. And it was falling in different places. And Jesus, in the parable, he describes four different soils. Four different places where this seed was landing. So that day, as the people were gathered around, he came out of the house, he sat down, and he told this parable. And at the end of the parable, not the explanation part, but just, uh, just the parable part, there would be people standing there and they'd be shaking their heads. Some people would, be, would have hard hearts and some would have shallow soil and thorny soil, and there would be good soil, and it would land on them. I want to take a few minutes and just kind of talk about those soils. I'm going to take the bag off. I was going to wear this hat. There's a funny story about this hat. (laughs) Went to Washington, D.C. one year, took a group of young adults, college students down to D.C. with my pastor that was training me when I was younger. I wasn't a pastor yet. I was just a youth leader. We took, went down to D.C. and we went into a hard part of the city. I guess there was an already self-proclaimed pastor of that community, and he walked around in Washington, D.C., in a rough neighborhood with a big garb on, and he was the pastor. And he came up to us, and he said, what are you guys doing? I'm making a mess here. He said, what are you guys doing? And I said, well, we're sharing the Word of God with people, and we're teaching the kids, and we're here from a church. And he says, I didn't give you permission to come here. We were just out on the (laughs) streets. I'm like, oh, we didn't know that there was a formal permission we had to ask. And he says, come to my house right now. And there were some people that we met there, and they said, don't go to his house. (laughs) Don't you go there. But my other pastor, like, he was crazy, a good crazy. He said, we're going. And he dragged me along. So we went to this man's house, and we went into the back of his house. And he made us come to this little garden. And he says, see this garden? I said, yes, I see the garden. He says, this garden is important, and I'm the pastor of this garden. I'm like, okay. He says, I want you to get on your knees. (laughs) Jamie, my pastor, with me, he's like, absolutely. I look at Jamie's on his knees. I'm like, why are you on your knees? Don't get on your knees. Let's leave. (laughs) And he came out, and he says, are you guys real pastors? Like, I'm like, he is. (laughs) I threw him under the bus as fast as I could. I apologize. It's all right. I said, He's a pastor. And he came out and he gave us these hats. And he put them on our heads. and He says, these are, these are hats from Africa. And he says, these hats are amazing. He says, when you, when you put this hat on and you pray, you're in the throne room of God. Well, that scared me. <laughs> I was like, all right. But he blessed us with that hat. And I remember, so I thought it's this story has nothing to do with the sermon. <laughs> I thought I'd wear the hat today, but it's messing up my mic. So back to the soils. We need a laugh as the church. We need a laugh. So we got four soils that are, that are there. And the first soil is, is what Jesus calls the hard soil. It's the wayward. It's, it's also known as the wayside. The wayside refers to the narrow footpath that ran beside the, the field. Back in, back in the day in Israel and Palestine, you would find these fields that the farmers would go out and they would have these footpaths where it was kind of like a road. And people would travel down, back and forth through this path. And eventually the path was really hard. It became a road. The day and the soil on them became very hard as concrete from the feet of the travelers that had been walked upon them. And when the seed fell, when he's casting the seed, when the seed fell on the footpath, it could not penetrate the soil, and it remained there in the open to be devoured by the birds of the air. So that's the first type of soil that Jesus is talking about. He says, the, so, the farmer, he goes out and he casts the seed, and it, it lands on a hard soil. It, the seed does not penetrate it, and it's just exposed, it's just open, and it's easily snatched away. So that was the first type. The second type of soil was referred to as the shallow soil. We see this in verse 5 and 6 and 20 and 21 with the reference of Jesus' teaching. This is the stony places that were common in Palestine. Often there would be an outcropping of limestone rock covered by a thin layer of topsoil. The soil looked really good, and it looked ready to be sown, and the ground looked good and and productive, and the seed cast here would germinate quickly and spring up to to a promising plant. But because there was no depth of soil, as soon as the sun beat down on the tender plant, it would wither and die because without producing any fruit. So sometimes the farmer would go out and he would see this, this soil and it looked really good. It looked nice. It looked ready. And he would cast the seed like I made a huge mess up here and I have to vacuum down there now. He would he'd cast this seed and he'd think, okay, that's a good spot. But it was very rocky. There was, it was rocky underneath the, the, the soil, so there was no roots. It wasn't penetrating. It wasn't going down deep enough. Then the sun would come up, and it would destroy it. Jesus talks about another soil. He calls it the thorny soil. We see this in verse 7 and 22 with the reference that he teaches about. He says, this soil looks like it's ready to be sown also, But underneath the surface are the living roots and seeds of thorns and weeds. And when the seed falls here, it also quickly springs to life and gives every indication that a good harvest will follow. However, the same ground begins to produce the thorns and the weeds that were already there, and they begin to soon choke out the tender plant. This plant withers and dies without producing any fruit at all. So that's the third type of soil that he says in this quick parable that's not too long, it's Quick teaching, he casts it out. And finally, there's the good soil. He says, Some seed fell onto the ground, and this ground had been worked and prepared, it had been plowed and tilled, and it was ready to receive the seed when it came. The seed germinated within the heart of the soil, and the plant began to grow. And when the plant reached maturity, it began to produce fruit and brought honor and gain to the farmer. He says, There are four types of soils that day. So, just to recap, the farmer is the preacher. He's sowing the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Jesus says that day, there are four types of listeners in the audience. There are four types of people. There could be four types of people here today. There are people that have hard soil. There are people who have shallow soil. There are people who have thorny soil. And there are people who have good soil. And the word is going out, and the word is going out here today, and it's gonna hit the hearts of listeners. So we believe in the Word of God. We believe that God's Word never goes out void. It's going to go out, and it's going to do something. But it's important to how we listen as the church. It's important to how we gather together and make focus what God is going to do for us and in our lives. Every Thursday night when it comes to the young adults, I preach for about an hour. Right, Jordan? He always says, cut, cut it back. I preach about an hour on Thursday nights. And I challenge them. Every Thursday when you come to, to young adults, when you come in here, I want you praying, God, change my heart. God, set my mind right. God, put me in the place to receive what you're going to teach tonight. I challenge them as they walk through the door. Are you ready for what God's going to do? I think that's the heartbeat of us today. I think every week when we come in and we gather, we should be saying that. We should be praying that. We should be asking that. God, I'm going in and I know the word of God. Your word will be preached today. Your word will be taught. Prepare my heart. Get it ready. I want to know. I want to learn. I want to grow closer to you. That's the, I think that's the prayer of the church. I think that's the prayer that needs to be prayed. I think that's the thing that we need to be challenging each other on. We say, how's your day? We should say, how'd you pray? Have you prayed? Because God's going to do something today. I prayed that this morning. I said, God's going to do something today. See, God's word's gonna go out and it's gonna hit these four, four types of hearts, four types of soil. See, Jesus proclaiming of the kingdom of God in this setting for each of the four types of soils in his, in his explanation of the parable of the soils, Jesus indicates that it is the son of man who sows the good seed. Verse 13, 37, or thirteen thirty seven. He is like the farmer sowing seed in the hearts of people of Israel and hearts today. The seed represents the message about the kingdom, 1319. Thus, all of the Jesus' seeds are good. See, there's nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with this. I made a mess, but there's nothing wrong with this seed that's going to go out today. There's nothing wrong with God's word. Can I get an amen on that one? God's word is going to go out today. So there's nothing wrong with that. But what Jesus is saying is there's something wrong with the soil. And that's something for us to think about. All Jesus' seeds are good. So the emphasis emphasis falls on the type of soil, whether it is good and bad, good or bad. See, the hard soil, let's talk about them. I'm going to break them down. The hard soil is the person with the hard heart. It's the person with the hard heart. This is the person that their heart's so hardened that they're not ready to hear the message of God. They don't even want to hear the message of God. Like, they may be here. They may be in the community. They they may have been in the crowd that day when Jesus was preaching, but their heart was was hard. They would hear the message, but they weren't listening. They weren't actually listening for what it would do. And there are many times inside the church that people come to church, usually guests, and usually people that are welcome the first couple times that they're just being nice because you invited them. But they didn't come here expecting God. They didn't pray that, God, I'm praying that you would work in my life. They just came and showed up. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today and you didn't expect to hear this type of sermon. Or maybe you're here not really for God or for the Word of God or for the community, but you're here for the community. Because the church makes you feel good because we love each other. And when we do a good job of that, people get excited. People get, get the Word gets out. Like, they actually will accept people? Yeah, they will. Like, people like me? Absolutely. Come on in. And maybe you're here because you feel accepted and you just feel loved on people, but you're not really into the, to the preaching or, or you're just here for the music. This is what the hard heart is like. It's hard to the message of God. This hardness prevents the seed of the gospel from taking root. It cannot, the person cannot understand the truth that is being preached. It just, it's all Greek. Have you heard that? It's all Greek to me. I feel that way sometimes when I'm trying to learn Greek. I'm so thankful for Pastor Keith. (laughs) He knows Greek. He helps us. But the person can feel that way. It makes them vulnerable to to Satan snatching away the truth that is present. See, this is a person who does not worship God or intend to follow him. Their ears are closed to the gospel, even though they, they may be there and present while the gospel is being proclaimed, but the preaching doesn't impact them. Time after time, people come to church, and they listen to the sermon, and they walk out, and nothing changes in their life. Quick reflection. Is that happening to you? Just come in and God's word's being preached and it's being proclaimed and it's being studied and we put time into this. Pastor Rick's deal for us is you preach the word of God, you put 40 hours in to studying the word. Like you don't come up here and just be like, yeah, it was great, like, you should read it. He wants us teaching and preaching, so we're putting the time in. But the preaching doesn't impact type of person fails to grasp the person of Jesus in his teaching, so the gospel takes no root at all. To illustrate this, it'd be like taking ski- these types of seeds that I just did and scattering them on the 401. Just throwing them out on the 401. The cars will come to drive over the seed, destroying it. The birds would come from the air and devour it. For the soil, this person's heart is so beaten by the continual traffic that there's no hope of the seed finding the living root hole. In that person's life, Satan is constantly passing over their heart with the company of blasphemes, lusts, lies, and vanities. There's so much going on in that person's life, the hard-hearted life, that they can't hear hear God. That's the hard heart. The application to that is, do you have a hard heart? Does that sound like you? Do you come into church and hear the, the message of God and then just walk back out? I don't apply anything. It was good today. I saw Ben. I high five Jack. They got coffee now. And nothing changes. Nothing changes in your family. Nothing changes in your situation. Nothing changes in your relationship. Sometimes it feels like that. And coming to church can be just a, an activity or a check-the-box thing, something we're just used to. Does the life-changing message of the gospel fall short of your standard? Do you say, I've heard it all before? I've heard that message. I've heard this message a lot. And every time I hear it, it impacts me a different way. I keep learning more and more. For many, harden their hearts to try to not buy into the religion of the church, but I would caution you to be careful that you're not buying into your soul destruction. Like the word of God is powerful, and it will change you. Jesus continues his teaching about the soils with the shallow heart. He casts it out. He says, "There's, it falls on the shallow, the shallow hearts. This is the seed of the rocky. This is the seed sown on the rocky places with the shallow soil. See, this type of heart will receive the word, but it will not take any root. This person gets excited about the word of God for a while." And it can seem like they're living the regenerated life. Like this is, this is, they come in and they have a lot of stuff going on in their life. And someone invited them to the church or they came into church this morning. Maybe that's you and you're feeling a little excited right now. Like this is, this is working. This, this sounds good. I think I could take this and apply it to my situation. I need to trust fully in God. This is what Jesus is talking about. He says the seed, it goes out. And at first it's received with joy. It's received with joy. But because there is no root, it's only going to last a short time. It's not going to grow into bearing fruit. It's not going to grow into a full, mature disciple, the seed that was planted. See, that, that, that's just for the moment. It's just the joy. And I think it's important for us to remember that the farmer sows the seed. When he sows the seed, he's looking for the seed to produce what? A harvest. A harvest. He's not just looking for the seed to go into the ground. He wants it to produce a harvest. Not just land on the soil. The end result of the farmer doing his hard work is the harvest. Like, I know that Pastor Rick wants to see a harvest here. I know he prays that. I know he teaches that. He says, preach the word in fullness and truth, guys, and pray for the congregation. Walk beside them, shepherd them, help them. They will help you. They will love you. Let's do this together, because we're in this to make fully complete disciples. Not just conversions. Not just people that say, I I follow Jesus. I live for Jesus. I run after Jesus. I get up and I grab my seed bag, and I grab my cross, and I get up. And I don't know what's coming this day, but I know who is for me this day. That's the person. And we need to remember that Jesus is, he's producing a harvest. He actually taught that in Matthew. He says the the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are what? They're few. He says pray. Pray to send out harvesters. We need harvest hands. That's my new word of the week. I've said that, Jordan, Like seven times in the last couple weeks. We need people with harvest hands. They're going out and they're reaping the harvest. They're getting up and they're getting ready to look for what God may want them to do. They got harvest hands. We need to remember it. it is the seed that has the life in it. And if the conditions are right, the seed will germinate. Jesus shares That some people are excited about the potential of what they hear, but then when life gets hard and persecution comes, the topsoil Christian begins to pull away. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. It's gonna come for us. There's gonna be hard weeks, hard seasons. There are gonna be times where we wanna give up. There are gonna be times, but if that seed has penetrated down, you can't give up There's no other place to go. You go to Christ. You go to the cross. And I just want to be honest for a moment. I want to be honest all the time, but I want to just have an honest moment. (laughs) This right here, this is the hardest soil for me as a pastor. When you preach and you teach the gospel of Christ and people are excited about Christ and people are excited about the church, they're excited about his word and his plan that he has for them. And then it happens. At first, when I was a young Christian, I would get so excited. People, I gave my life to Jesus. I'm like, yes, you gave your life to Jesus. But as I've been getting older and as I've been traveling with God and as I've been learning from my other pastors and people who've been pouring into me, we kind of, we celebrate that moment and then we begin to pray and shepherd. We get to pray and minister. We get to pray and get right beside them and say, okay, there's, I know you're excited now but difficulty hasn't hit and your faith has not been tested and persecution hasn't come and that trial of that relationship hasn't set in and that marriage that is, is really rocking it right now hasn't had the temptation yet. So that's why we're here. We're going to walk close to you. These situations arise and sickness comes and financial hardship and relationship strain, strain and the one who, who is joyous begins to run from God. Here's a small tip for us. We have lots of people that come to this church. We need to take notice when they're not here. We don't need to do roll call, but we need to take notice when people are missing. Because when people get in trouble, the first thing they do is they skip church. We need to help our brothers and sisters. We need to call them up, hey, where are you at? I missed you at church today, come on, come back. You need to hear the word of God, there's people here, we're gonna do this together. We're in this together, because people will run attendance, church, they start complaining and church attendance drops off. And what Jesus predicts comes true. They fall away. They fall away. One commentator said this, the person takes hold of the word immediately and with joy. This may be an emotional conversion is what they would like to call it. It says, emotion is not bad, but this phrase is received with joy and used everywhere positively in the word. Yet here it is not a directed emotion. They have no root in them. Most commentators like to play on the Christ being called the root and point out Christ is not the root of this person's emotion or point or point out there is nothing but the emotion to sustain it. So why no fruit? Why no fruit in this soil? Why no fruit in this person who received the word really quickly, was excited about it? Why no fruit? Hardship, trial. The acceptance of the word was based on a false premise. It was in exception, it was accepted in emotion. Therefore, when the happy times are gone, so is the supposed faith. It's not rooted in truth, but it's shallow. This would be a man or woman of the moment. Jesus says those people are in the crowd. Those people who, who are not taking the word of God and just dwelling on it, focusing on it, putting it at, at the center. They're gonna be tossed around, as James says, like a, like a wave in the ocean. The application. Don't fall prey to the emotional moments. Base your life on the listening and doing of God's Word. James says in James 1, 19 through 26, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, should be slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the Word planted in you. Which can save you? James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Because anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like one who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all that they do. Woo! That's some good word right there. That's some good teaching by James. So we as the word we as teachers and and preachers and 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 as a congregation and a body as whole, we gotta make sure that we know the word of God, that the joy lasts, and then in the trials and the hard moments, we're joyous. We have joy in the trial. We have joy in the hard moments because we know whose we are. We know whose we are. Jesus is the one we rely on. We need to keep matters of faith in focus when it comes to God. God continues and he says, "There are another type of soil, the third soil. This is called the thorny heart. The third type of soil is crowded with thorns. This type of soil receives the gospel, but has competition from the word, from the world. As with the second soil, this type of heart has enough potential for productivity that the life in the seed begins to develop. But the completion from the thorns is too much, and the young seedlings are choked out. See, the message of the gospel is not able to transform the person into a true disciple because of his or her competing priorities. See, what we're talking about right now in this one is the worry of life. Jesus actually said that. the one who receives the seed that fall among the thorns is the man who hears the word but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out making it unfaithful see this is the worries of life indicated that the person has yet not come to the place that the kingdom is above all things seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness that's what the word says seek first the kingdom and in this, this person, in this crowd, as Jesus is teaching, he says, the word is going to go out today and it's going to hit a thorny heart. And the thorny heart has a whole bunch of things going on in their life, a lot of worries and a lot of competition, and, and they won't take that word and they won't put it in the center and they won't put it as the priority. They won't seek first. They'll, they'll keep it close to the first. It's like a, a it's, it's not first, but it's real close there. It's, it's, it's a real close second. But the thing is, it's still second. Jesus has already warned us in the Sermon on the Mount, same book, same gospel. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or your body or what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not reap or sow or store away in barns, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you much more valuable than they? Jesus said that. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So not worry, saying, what will we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? Here it is. For the pagans run after all these things, and yet your heavenly Father knows that you need him. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Huh, I have to tell myself that sometimes. I can't worry about tomorrow. I've got to focus on today. Each day has enough trouble of its own. But the worries have tragically choked out the life of the seed. The deceitfulness of wealth combines worry to choke out the life of the seed for the one who is trying to manage his or her own life apart from God, and is tempted to find the solutions in the trouble of the worldly resources. That's what Jesus is saying in this parable. He says the deceitfulness well when we look at the Word of God and we translate the words, the deceitfulness begin to also be be used or translated as pleasure worldly pleasure. This is the one that hears, but there is no barren field, there exists something there already thorns. And when we ask the question, why no fruit in this life? The plant is choked out. The interesting thing is the last soil was plagued by hardship, but this plague, but this plagued, but this one is plagued by the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. So the last one was bad times, hard times, trials, persecution, things you go through. But this soil is good times. This is, I got it all together. I don't really need to focus on Jesus. I got richness, I got wealth, I'm healthy, my family all goes to church, I have what I need. I don't really need God. So on the the other one, the shallow, it's it's hardship, but this one, it's good. The cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches. Not bad times, but good times. Not pain, but pleasure. What was there before survives, but what was planted latter loses out. And the soil receives the word, but it does not put the word as its top priority, which will result, once again, in no fruit. No fruit. I want to remind us, and I keep coming back to this, that the farmer is there to scatter the seed for what? Harvest. Fruit. We talked about it in the last sermon that I preached, that God is the vine, about the vine bearing fruit. The gardener, Jesus the vine, and us, we are, the, we are, are there to bear fruit, and he takes care of us. That's the ultimate. That is when we stand before the, the Lord. He says, Well done, good and faithful servant. We run the race fully. We don't sprint at it. We do it as a marathon. It's a marathon for us, and we learn as we go. Three different soils so far, and I'm going to end on this one. I'm going to wrap this up. We're going home. The good soil. Please note that this is the only soil that is called good, it's the only soil. The soil represents the person who not only hears the gospel message, but understands it and allows it to take full root in their heart so that it can produce fruit. This is the, the, the seed that is cast and the person is ready. They're ready for it. They're looking for it. They're asking for it. They're saying, God, how can I serve you? God, how can I, I follow after you? God, how can you change me? I want you to change me. The soil represents a true believing disciple. Only those who heart whose hearts have, who are receptive to the work of Jesus' message will produce fruit of kingdom life, the evidence that they are truly children of God. See, Jesus speaks in Matthew 7, 15, that the fruit will reveal the character of the tree. So he now declares that if the seed message of the gospel does not bear a kingdom crop, there is no life in that person. This will be, this will be varying amounts of yield in each person, but here's the thing. There must be a yield. That's what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for us to, to love him with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love our neighbor as ourself, and, and to put him first. To put him first. And he says, when you listen to the word, and you do the word, and you put it into action, your life will change. But if you stop listening to what God is saying through his word, you're going to have some consequences. In the fourth soil, the fruit represents the outworking of the life of the seed. And we find that in 1 John 3, 9. See, in the seed of the good soil, the one, this one hears. This one believes. This one does care to actually listen and understand and consider the message that was presented. And has no shallow, merely emotional reaction. No previous growth of thorns that need to be uprooted. This is the disciple that is bearing fru- fruit, though not the same for every plant. Some of the disciples, some of the listeners, some of the good fruit are bearing fruit at 30, some 60, some 100. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, that day when I said that, that parable I came out to teach, he said there were four types of people listening. There were people that the word just bounced right off of them and they didn't even think another thing about it. There were some there that they got excited about it. They were passionate about it. It just hit them that moment, and they walked outside and walked right back into the trial, and they forgot what they heard. They forgot where to put their their faith. They forgot where to put their truth or where the truth comes from. He says another person, they went out, and they said, oh, that's great. Thank you, pastor. I needed to hear that today. That was so good. But their lifestyle and the way they live doesn't focus Jesus as number one, doesn't show Jesus as number one. Jesus is there, but he's not number one. That's a thorny. But he says, for some, that word's gonna go out and it's gonna hit them hard. It's gonna hit them deep, it's gonna be light changing. It's gonna change the family, it's gonna change the marriage, it's gonna change the church attendance, it's gonna change what they give, it's gonna change how they live and who they talk to. It's gonna change their their ways. It's gonna get them to pick up bags and put on weird hats. They're gonna look a little crazy sometimes. I feel that all the time. I feel a little crazy. But well, I'm okay with that. Because Jesus changed my life. And he's casting more seeds into our lives. And we have a choice. We can we can stop listening. And do me and do us. We can receive it with joy and then focus on the trials. We can have Jesus as a close second, or we can submit ourselves and ask God to humbly plant that seed for this next season of harvest. So here's the conclusion. I'm wrapping it up with this. What does it mean for us today? The next semester of ministry, the seed of God is going to go out. I know Pastor Rick and Pastor Kelvin and Pastor Ken and me and myself and Pastor Steve, we're all getting ready for this next season. We're all excited. We're all praying. We're all before the throne. We're praying for the congregation. We're praying for the families. We know that you're going to come in, and the seed of God is going to go out in this next season. As your pastoral staff, we will preach, teach, and do life with you. That's a promise. We have that. We're doing that. We will challenge you and you will challenge us, and we both will be challenged by the word of God. But will we listen? Will we listen? That's the question. See, the seed of God will produce a harvest if we listen, if we obey, if we trust in God and allow his word to our lives, in our lives, we will see fruit bared. We will see fruit bared if we make God the focus. Each week, here's the challenge. Will you come in here and accept the word to change you? Will you pray that prayer? Will you ask that? God, will you change my heart this morning? God, will you prepare my heart for what Pastor Rick is going to teach us? God, will, will you show me how I can grow closer to you? Can you show me the sin that is in my life that I need to get out, that I need to outroot and get out? God, will you show me the deceitfulness that I, I cause so that I cannot cause it anymore? Will you pray God, change my heart by your word. Will you say to God, I submit myself to you, and by your holy word, I will bear fruit in my life. Will you listen? Will you do? This next season of ministry, we're launching for young adults. I've been learning that in the college ministry, even though they all go to school, and they all study, and they're all very smart, we think in the church we should be secret sensitive to college students. I'm not going to do that. I believe that we should teach the full Word of God, and we, if there are hard words and big words in the, wor- in the Word, that we should not skip over them, that we should actually teach them. So this year, this is just a rough copy, but it went to print, it's coming out next week. It's, called, it's a new journal that we put together called Five print, Fine Print. Our 20 ministries are fine print, and it's a pocket-sized book with words from Scripture explained in plain English but we take the big words like justification, regeneration, adoption, and sanctification, and, and ecclesia, and all those words that you would find in the Word of God, and we teach them. We're going to teach a word of the week. And I brought this out today because when it comes to the doctrines of justification, let me read justification to you. An instantaneous legal act of God in which He thinks of our sins and forgiveness in Christ and righteousness as belong to us and declares us to be right in His sight. That's justification. That's justification. When it comes to that, when it comes to regeneration, a secret act of God in which he imparts new spiritual life to us, sometimes called being born again. When it comes to adoption, let's go all the way to the front, let's get adoption, adoption, an act of God whereby the means of member, mean, he makes us members of his family. See, those three things that I just said, justification, regeneration, adoption, and in the definition of those, they're all acts of God. God does that work, but there's one where we get to partner with God. And when you go to that, and I read it, it says sanctification, a progressive work of God and man. See, this is the only one of the doctors, doctrines that we get to have a part in it. We get to, God, does a, God does some work. He does more work than us, but we get a small part in, to play in this one. It says a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and more like Christ in our actual lives. We get to play a part. So when it comes to doctrine, justification, regeneration, adoption, they're all acts of God, but sanctification is God with us working together. It's the only part we get to play. Will we play our part in preparing to learn from the word of God this next season? Let's pray. Father, we love you, we just thank you. We thank you for your word, and we know that it doesn't go out void. We know that your word is always active and it's, and it's sharp. We learned today that there's nothing wrong with the seed, but there can be things wrong with our hearts. So God, we know as, as the word has gone out today, it's gonna hit different lives. It's gonna hit different situations. It's gonna hit different things. And God, we need to believe in that word that hit us today, that it is true, that it is powerful, that it is good, that it can change the situation. And God, I'm praying for a harvest this year. I'm praying that we as Calvary Baptist Church would bear fruit for the kingdom, that we would come together expecting you to work in our lives, ascribing glory and worth, that lives would change, that hardships and persecution and trial and and marriage and all those things that come along with doing life together, even though they're still there, we have hope in Jesus for those things and that we apply it together as the body god i just pray for the word that goes out today i pray that you would help us to know it to understand it to apply it we ask this in the name of jesus amen i want to close our our day off with this my last year of high school i played football from when i was young all the way up to high school my last year of football our team at st malachi's high school and back in st john we never won a game all year but there was this one game this last game where we were pretty defeated, and morale was down, and they were up winning, but we got a couple touchdowns. And it came down to the last six seconds of the game, it was one of those games for us, and we got, we got a touchdown. And the coach called us over, and he got us in a huddle, and he said, guys, we haven't won a game all year. And we can kick this field goal, and we can tie it, and we can hang our, we can just go out with a tie, or, We can snap the ball, work together, and do a two-point conversion and win one game. As your coach, I know what I want you to do, but I'm going to leave it with you. That's what we're doing here today. As one of your pastors, we know what we want you to do. Are you going to tie or are you going to go out and pull it all? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we we just thank you for this day. And as we go from here, I pray that this word would settle in our hearts that as we move in the next season of ministry, as we come back together for kickoff Sunday, as we begin the new patterns for the fall, we would take serious the word of God. We would take serious of not just listening, but obeying. And together as your church, we would bear fruit for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Have a blessed day and a great long weekend. Y'all are awesome.